that was sad. Life sucks. Nothing matters. Ron's sick. I got to do this by myself. Well, guys, that stunk. The Bengals drop a game to Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett, the quarterback we all shit-talked before the game, the quarterback that we all made fun of and said he had tiny hands and said that he was this, that, and the other, comes into Paycor Stadium and beats us down. So we have to live through that. Now, Ron is sick. Ron has uh, strep throat. So he cannot speak. He told me he could maybe do a light whisper, but he cannot talk. So I am just going to ride through this solo. Um, Stranger4420 says, Hooday, what's up? How's it going? Glad to have you in the chat. It is very, very hard. Wedge Gordon, Hooday, y'all. There's no y'all. It's just me. Ron has uh, a bug. He can't talk right now. Guy's healing up from a knee surgery. I personally think that the NFL sent the virus into Ron's household as an act of biological warfare to get him to stop talking about how shitty the officiating is. That's my tinfoil hat moment. That's my guess. Um, and we're just going to have to go from there. So I'm going to do a lot of like Q&A type stuff with the chat. This is really all we got for today. So um, Tony Taphorn. Hits us with a get bingo, bingo, one of those Stephen Hawking voice box things. Now that would be entertainment. That would be great. I would love, love to hear him like just typing his words into that and give him the old Stephen Hawking. Uh, Wedge Gordon says, despite it being blue collar Bengals, he gives me a go blue. I went, it was hate weekend for me, right? You put Michigan, Ohio State on Saturday. You put Bengals Steelers on Sunday. I'm going to be one hate filled individual. I was really looking to go 2-0. I went 1-1. But the reality of the situation is Michigan won the game of the century. I rode that high into the Bengals game on Sunday. Even had some good luck. Bet the Drew Sample touchdown on BetJack, Ohio Sportsbook. Shout out. 20 bucks paid me 300 bucks. The vibes were high. Everything was going to go good. Everything was going to go great. And then it happened. And it's not just the Bengals offense fault. It's not just Joe Mixon's fault. It's not just Jake Browning's fault. It's, it's the whole team's fault. And Lou Anarumo's defense gave up 400 and some odd yards to Kenny Pickett, something that hasn't happened since 2020. 459 yards, I think it was. I don't remember the exact number, but the Bengals defense did that too. So it was a, it was a team-wide problem. Um, there's a lot of banter, I guess I would say, going on about who you blame. Do you blame Joe Mixon? Do you blame Frank Pollock? Do you blame Zach Taylor? Who do you blame? blame and I think that you blame them. I understand that I I guess upset some people on the internet because walking out of Paycor Stadium Sunday I fired out a tweet that says can somebody tell me how the Cincinnati Bengals only called eight design run plays with a backup quarterback the three runs by Jake Browning were him scrambling I don't think they were design runs so they designed eight running plays that entire game and that's just mind-boggling to me um Frat Film says they all have a hand in it, and that's absolutely true. Tony Taphorn feels like you went one and six. That loss felt disgusting. It really, really did. 
It was a cold, wet, rainy, gray Ohio Sunday. And um, the rain could have been much worse. I'm glad that that held off. That was nice. And yeah, it was it was just it was just kind of kind of gross. I think it felt like a game that the Bengals could have won pretty much from gun to gun. They were never outmanned. They were never blown out. Um, they gave up all the yards, but they still only gave up 16 points. So the defense kind of stiffened up in the red zone like they've been doing all year. Uh, they got the one turnover on the DJ Turner, Michigan man, fumble recovery. Um, and then they didn't do that. I think the Bengals sorely missed Cam Taylor Britt. Um, I think his physicality with those receivers on some of those deep routes um, maybe would have pressed them a little bit more at the line. They wouldn't have been able to have the same get off that they were able to get off on guys like Cheeto. Um, no, no hate to Cheeto. He just plays the game a little bit differently than Cam Taylor Britt does. And I think that he would have been a, a good matchup on a George Pickens or that deep Deontay Johnson ball. That's my personal opinion. So when you look at the game, you look at the eight rushing attempts, you look at all the yards that the defense gave up, you look at Jake Browning not looking great, and that's what you get. You see the importance of number nine, Joe Burrow. This team goes as Joe Burrow goes, and it's like that for every team in the league. And Ben Schramm, uh, Iowa Hawkeye, good friend of the program, good friend of mine, we united this weekend against the devil named Jonathan Sands, and we went one and one and one on that. Um, but he says, the play we didn't touch TJ Watt is going to haunt me. It's going to haunt me, too, because I hate the Watt family. I'm a well-documented Watt family hater. Everybody knows that. And they just didn't fucking touch him. Just, no, nah, don't worry about it. I, I, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you don't at least get a hand on TJ Watt on every single play of a football game he made. Um, he had that shitty, dirty hit on... Jake Browning, but you know, TJ going to TJ, what are you going to do? I guess. Um, and yeah, um, stranger four, four twenty, I think is the name two punts. that could have been long field goals have been haunting me since before the game ended. Yeah, it wasn't great kicking weather. Um, they could have tried. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else you could have done there, man. Um, and Ben says it's time for me to admit that Brad Robbins, Michigan man, is not him, and I think that it might be. And it's okay. You know, Tommy Tommy Dorgan, uh, Tommy Dogan, I'm sorry, from Michigan, hell of a punter, pinned Ohio State inside the two-yard line on a big punt on Saturday. It was beautiful. Let's be honest, Brad Robbins, Michigan man, awesome mustache. He hasn't shown to be much, if at all, any upgrade over Drew Christmas. So that is something that the Bengals are probably going to have to look at again this offseason is, is the punter position. And then a follow-up from uh, Frat Films says exactly 420, talking to Stranger 4420. Um, if you're not going to use McPherson for what he is, then what are you even doing? There, there is a there is an argument to be made for that because there were some there were some kicks that I think McPherson could have hit, uh, despite you know kind of a, a crappy weather day. It wasn't terrible. I mean, the Bengals played him way worse this season. Um, so yeah, why don't why don't you kick it and try to take your points? If not, go for it. If you're on that side of the fifty, what do you have to lose? You have Jake Brown. Um, but I think that another point that I kind of realized after a night of sleeping on it is that when you see a Joe Burrow led offense, Joe Burrow has the command of the offense and his, his brain, his football brain is like a damn computer. So he gets up to the line, he can read the defense, he can make a check. I think a lot of times Browning got a play call in his ear from Taylor Callahan, whoever's calling it in at that moment. 
and he just goes to the line, and that's the play he runs. I don't think he has the command of the offense and just the NFL experience. He's a, he's a backup that is making his first career start. He's got next to no NFL experience. So I just don't think he has the command of the offense and maybe some of the knowledge because he hasn't seen the Burrow does to make a check, to to get to a run play, to get mixing more than eight carries, or to see coverage and, and change the player or go somewhere else. He held on to the ball too long. He just looked like a backup quarterback that hasn't played that many NFL snaps. And what are you going to do at that point? I mean, it is what it is. You can't expect this guy. I think that he, he said all of the right things. Clips of him at Folsom uh, High School in his cre- great career there kind of popped up. And you know some of his numbers that he had at Washington popped up. Uh, his freshman year, then you know he had a soldier, shoulder surgery and things weren't necessarily the same for him. So I think that we did what fans do, and we rallied behind the guy. We backed him. We believed in him because that's what you do as a fan of your the reality of the situation is he got into the game, and he's a guy that has never played NFL football. He's a guy that's been in the league for five years, has been on a couple of teams, almost retired to – go be a coach before the Bengals called him to put him on the practice squad. And that's what we got. And I'm not knocking the guy for it. He did the best that he could in a shitty situation on a team that is 100% not a knock at the Bengals. The, the fact of the matter is when you have a guy like Joe Burrow, you have a quarterback of that level. That is how your team goes. When I don't know who Kansas City's backup is now, to be completely honest with you, but when they had Chad Henney and Mahomes would go down, he could get you a game. He could get you a drive in the playoffs until Mahomes comes back or whatever the case may be. But you're looking at a guy that's got to come in in week 12 as a starter. I just don't think you can have that that high of expectations from a guy that has no backup career, no backup experience playing. Not He's not an Andy Dalton. He's not a Jacoby Brissett. He's not a guy that's seen the game, played a lot of meaningful football, and can come in and do things a little bit differently. I think that you just, when he's holding the ball too long, when he has good protection, you just have to deal with it. When he misses a wide open Andre Yoshivas streak down the field on the play that probably would have been a touchdown, you can't rag on the guy. It's just, it's the nature of the business. He hasn't played. He hasn't seen it. Burrow missed Yossi on a play just like that in the Texans game. Like shit like that happens in the NFL. So I don't think that, I don't think, think expectations for Jake Browning maybe rose a little bit too much in the week leading up from the game. Um, and yeah, this is a good point. This is pretty much just a Q&A uh, fan comment show because I do not have Ron with me here. So please, questions, concerns, stupid rants, whatever you want, get them up there. Let's let's have a conversation. I don't know how long this is going to go. A really, really good point. Like the stream if you love the Bengals. If you don't like the stream, I'm going to assume you don't love the Bengals. A uh, good question from uh, Kevin K. Breezy says, why was Chase not fed the ball all day long? The one day we, we should have hit quick hitters all day long and we didn't do it. And that was that was a little bit weird. You know, the 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 screens, the, the quick throws, the get you in a rhythm throws that you see Burrow get into with a guy like Chase. You didn't see any of those from Browning. And Browning said that he wanted the Joe Burrow playbook. So I don't know why that wasn't in there. I think that that could have helped. It could have helped get him in a rhythm, maybe get him a little bit of confidence and, and get things going. Chase is catching crazy bobbled balls all game, you know, getting most of his yards off that on honestly balls that should have been picked. Um, you know, he's making great plays and he's doing everything that he can. He said he's going to try to keep the guys pushing forward. Uh, but I think that's a great point. I think they could have done a little bit more to get the ball into his hands quick. Maybe, oh shit, 
maybe uh, try to let him beat that first guy, make a man miss, and see if he can, you know, make one of those big Jamar play, Jamar Chase plays that we've seen. And uh, Stranger four four twenty. Um, I said last offseason that we need to replace Callahan and Zach Taylor needed to give up play calling duties and just be head coach. People poo-pooed on me. <laughs> How do people feel now? Um, Tony Taphorn says, what can we, or when can we talk about Frank Pollock and the O-line run blocking failures week after week? So I think those, those questions kind of go hand in hand. There's been a lot of back and forth on Bengals Twitter um, about the Zach Taylor conversation. I said earlier in the year when Burrow wasn't Burrow, um, it was looking like he wasn't able to mask some of the deficiencies in Zach Taylor's play calling. I've never had doubts about Zach Taylor as a head coach, leading a football team, managing a clock, managing his challenge. I never have. I still don't. There are questions about the play calling. And there's all this back and forth on the internet about if you're allowed to say that or not. And I don't understand why that's the case. Um, you get the, you know, do you guys think you could do better? Well, probably not, but I'm not an NFL coach. If I go to a movie and the movie sucks, I know I can't act better than the actors, but I'm still going to be pissed off that I spent my money to watch that shitty movie. And football's a business. It's an entertainment industry. It's the same thing. So no, we couldn't do better, but I don't understand this. If you talk about Zach Taylor, you don't like the team. If you talk about Frank Pollock, you don't like the team. If you don't like, that's not how this works. Okay. We invest our time, our energy, our money. I sacrifice time with my family. I sacrifice time with like extended family. If you invite me to a birthday party on a Sunday in the fall, I'm not going to be there because I'm watching the Bengals. So you you buy or the tickets that you buy or the Sunday ticket package that you buy so you can watch them if you live out of market, whatever the case may be, you spend your money on this team. If you want to get on Twitter and say that Zach Taylor sucks as a play caller, then get on Twitter and say that Zach Taylor sucks as a play caller. That does not make you any less of a fan. And there's like gatekeeping and all this stuff that goes on on the internet and that's personal Twitter. You can be a fan of however the hell you want. I don't care. Do you want to be the most negative asshole in the world? Do it. Do you want to be the most overly optimistic Zach Taylor is Vince Lombardi reincarnated fan? By all means, do it. It's our team. You love them. You, do, you, you invest in them. So react to it however you want. I don't give a shit. Why does anybody else care? Why does anybody care what you say about the team you like on Twitter? If you're not wishing injury and bad things on people, I don't think it matters what you say about the team because it's your opinion and it's your right as somebody who gives this team your time, energy, and money. There's my little rant for the day. Let's get back to the comments. Frav says, the super fans know how to fan best, Drew. You got to listen to them. I don't know what constitutes somebody as a super fan. I, I don't know if it's Twitter followings. I don't know what what constitutes a super fan. But I, I don't think that it matters. If it's about Twitter followers, who gives a shit? The guy with five followers can love the guy with, can love the team just as much as the guy with 5,000 or 500,000 or whatever. Like that doesn't matter. It's not, that doesn't, that doesn't compete with me. I just think people should be able to love the team, complain about the team if they want, blindly support the team. And everybody else should just, like, like you see stuff on Twitter like that I don't agree with. And I just like, I use the feature that Twitter has that just lets me scroll by it. Now the burners and the trolls, I'll fuck with them all day. I don't scroll past those. I like to have fun with those. 
But like you can see things online that you don't agree with and just go about your day. I don't understand the the way that it seems like when the Bengals lose, people's fandoms call. I, I just don't like it. Like if people want to not go to games because they think the team's heading nowhere and they already paid for the tickets, do whatever the hell you want with them. You bought them. Don't give them to opposing fans. I think that's kind of weak. But other than that, do whatever the hell you want. We need a from across the pond. We need a Heimlich specialist on the sidelines because we're always choking. I don't know that the Bengals really. I don't think that the Bengals really choked in that game. I don't think that there was like a a big moment where they could have gone down there and won it, and it just didn't happen. I just think that we saw an offense that struggles without its franchise quarterback. I just the way that it goes. Mark Fetters, you got the Ohio State background or the Ohio State picture again. Tough day for you on Saturday, but you know I love you. You put your heart and soul in your team. It's okay to vent. Yeah, say I mean, say whatever you want. If you're not threatening people and you're not wishing injury on people and you're not talking shit about their family, say whatever you want. I don't care, man. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't have to agree with you, but you can have a conversation, too. Like, I have to agree with it. It's okay. I had, a, I had several of them in conversation because I said, why <laughs> laser 50-50? <laughs> this is... This one just caught my eye. It's pretty good. You can't choke if you never start eating. And that's kind of the way it went. The Bengals had seven points through the whole game until they hit a garbage time field goal. Um, But the Joe Mixon conversation, I asked why he only got the ball eight times, and I got a lot of responses because he was only averaging two yards of carry. And I can understand that mode of thinking. My response to that is, how much of a chance did you really give the guy with a two-yard per carry average on eight carries and I run, they're going to try to make Jake Browning beat you. I understand it. But my view on the Bengals running game as a whole is it's not Joe Mixon's fault. I'm not going to die on a Joe Mixon Hill either. I think that the Bengals running game as a whole needs improvement. It needs improvement from Mixon. It needs improvement from Taylor. It needs improvement from Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach and running game coordinator. Because I don't know that they should be running out of shotgun so much. They don't have to do it anymore. They had to do it at the beginning of the year because Burrow couldn't get out from under center while he was dealing with the calf. I understand it. But like you should be able to put some under center plays in for Browning. I think that if they ran the ball from more, things might have been okay. But there's also run blocking issues that we saw. We saw Jonah Williams on a, a, a clip that uh, Joe Goodberry posted just look lost. And these guys are veterans. And... That's when I say, okay, do we need to have the Frank Pollock conversation? Because he's the one coaching these veterans. But it's on players, too. It's on execution, too. It's on Alex Kappa not, you know, ducking the wrong Cordell Volson, not having issues with, like, his spatial awareness. It's 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 a, a, a myriad of things. I bet you guys didn't know I was smart enough to use that word. It's a, it's a collection of things that are just not working. So I'm not going to sit here and say it's Zach Taylor's fault. It's Joe Mixon's fault. It's Frank Pollock's fault. It's Brian Callahan's fault. I think it's pretty much everybody's involved in the running game of the Bengals can be better. And it doesn't have to be Joe Mixon. It could be Chase Brown who said, yes, I was healthy or I wouldn't have played. It could be Travion Williams. It could be somebody. Maybe it's like Ron had said earlier in the season on one of our shows. You start doing a running back by committee thing and see if you find a hot hand. And if you do, ride it. It doesn't have to be mixing. 
nothing in the running game. Just ride it out. And I think when you're looking at the point in the season now where you're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, you still have a shot to get in. But I think that the general feeling amongst the team and the fan base and most people that have watched is that this isn't going to be a playoff team. You go to Jacksonville Monday night and you drop a loss, you're fucked. It's not coming. If that's the case, fine. Playoff team. But they're going to have to play the rest of their games. You're going to try to get something out of your youngest. You're going to try to evaluate the roster to see if there's any vets that you want to move on from next year. You're going to do all the things that you have to do because you have to go play football the rest of the season if you, even if you can't make the playoffs. So if that's the case, and your offensive line is going to be the same, same next year. Lyle, Con- oh, somebody, somebody made a Lyle Collins, Co- Lyle Collins comment, and it kind of got me. But um, Orlando Brown Jr. back next year. Corda Olson back next year. May battle for his job. Ted Karras back next year. Alex Kappa back next year. Jonah Williams, I, I don't know. It depends. He's had a pretty solid somewhere, or will he stay in the wheelhouse where the Bengals can bring him back? I don't know. But your line is. Going- going to be predominantly the same next year. There may be two switches and there's probably only going to be one at the most. So why not use the rest of the season when you're not really playing for anything to try to get good at the one thing you haven't been able to get good at all year and that's running the ball. Why not? What do you have to lose? And you lose some games, you're going to get a better draft. I'm not sitting here and saying punt the season and tank. I don't think anybody really wants to do that. You want to do that if you're going to go get a franchise-altering quarterback like I think the Bengals pretty much tanked in 2019 to go get Joe Burrow. That's different. We have that guy. You don't need to tank for anybody in this draft class. You're not tanking for Caleb Williams. You're not tanking for Marvin Harrison Jr. You're not going to pick. I just don't understand why not just run the ball. Just run it. And get good at it if you don't think you're playing for anything. And if you want to try to still air it out and spread the ball out and use the short passing game as the extension of your run game Monday night to try to beat Jacksonville and keep a fighting chance at the playoffs, then by all means, go do it. But why not, if you if you know that your playoff chances are not there, why not just work on that the rest of the year? What do you need to do? You need to pad Jamar Chase's stats? No. You need to just find a way to get good at that and just build on it for next year. I'm going to get back to the comments because I said I was going to read comments and then I just started fucking ranting. <sighs> and yeah, so a comment from uh, Laser5050. Mixon has nothing to do with the fact that we only ran the ball eight times with a first-time starting quarterback. And that's what it is. I- I'm not saying that you had to hand it to Mixon 30 times. I'm saying you need to hand it to running backs more often and figure something out. There was never a point in that game where the Bengals just had to air it out. And I understand the idea of the short pass as being an extension of your... But it just I just don't feel like you gave Browning much of a fighting chance. Like, I, I just don't. And t- Tony, can you all imagine if Burrow had a line that could run block on command while having Chase in the wide receiver core on the outside? And, you know, we've been saying that for four years now. You know, could you imagine if Joe Burrow had an offensive line that could do X, Y, or Z? And that's where I start to look at Frank Pollock because the offensive line coach doesn't make the decisions in the front office, but the front office paid – Orlando Brown Jr. They went out and got Alex Kappa, on, which at that time was a pretty damn good deal for his position. They went out and they got Ted Karras. They drafted Cordell 
tackles. They smoothed things over with first-round pick Jonah Williams, who's starting at right tackle. Pretty much the best that they could do to get the guys. They are the sixth highest spending team in the NFL when it comes to the offensive line. So they've done their part. But I don't feel like the coaches have done theirs to maximize that. Now, are they signing the wrong guys? Maybe. Parker Blake, good friend of mine, good friend of the show told me one time, he said, you can throw $100 bills at your car, but that's not going to fix it if you don't buy the right parts. And that makes perfect sense. Maybe there's an issue there. But I need to know 100% that Zach Taylor says that Frank Pollock is doing the best job that he can because the fact of the matter is Zach Taylor's first offensive line coach hire, James Turner, was an absolute fucking train wreck. He recognized it. He, he understood it. And he got rid of him and he brought Frank Pollock back in a move that we were all excited about. But we're looking at year three of this and we're still having the same problems with protection. We're still having the same problems with running the ball. So when do you, when do you look internally instead of just saying, Oh, we've had bad luck. Burrow keeps getting hurt. Maybe he wouldn't get so hurt so much if he didn't get hit so damn much. I need to get a drink. <coughs> Uh, ben, our, our line gave Browning a lot of time on a few plays also, and he couldn't capitalize on it. And that is that is something that's very true. There were there were a few plays I saw from my seat in the stadium um, where he he had time. He was able to stand in there and scan the field either way, even if you're throwing it away or you're throwing a risky a risky touchdown or not a risky touchdown, but like a risky pass that can get picked off. At some point, the ball just has to leave your hand, and you can't wait for T.J. Watt to put you on the ground, and now you're behind the sticks and things are getting worse. So I do completely agree with that. Can you imagine Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase cheating up the titty? This is a good conversation, I think, um, from Kevin. And I'm not sure if Joe Brady's good yet, right? He went to, was it the Saints after LSU or was it Carolina? I think it was Carolina. I think he was with the Saints, then went to LSU and then went to Carolina. And he wasn't that good. He got fired. And then I think he's been like a quarterback's coach or something for the Bills. And then he took over after Ken Dorsey uh, got fired. So, and they, they lost the game. Josh Allen's still turning the ball over. So I don't know. I don't know exactly how good Joe Brady is in the NFL as of right now. So I'm not 100% certain if he's the answer, but. I could understand the thought process of trying to recreate that magic because he got the best out of those guys at LSU. So I think that, that makes sense. And um, James Turner, when Callahan senior was there, that is tough. Um, probably the best offensive line coach in the NFL is, is uh, Callahan's dad, um, Bill Callahan, who's up in Cleveland, who has done a great job with their offensive line. Um, I don't know why Brian can't call his dad and maybe pick up some like super helpful tips or something. Um, and Benjamin Mumphrey with uh, a counterpoint to an extent. Uh, exactly, Pollock's not the problem. The scheme of play calling is the problem. Head coach should not be play calling and probably need a competent OC to scheme and play call. So, yes and no, because I think that when Browning went out there and there was those eight design run plays, the run blocking wasn't great. So, those players knew the plays were coming. Those players knew who they had to block and they still failed. So there are instances where, right, wrong, or indifferent, Pollock put his game plan out there, told the players what they needed to do, and they just didn't execute it. So like that's where it does fall on the players too. But it's like, okay, is, is, 
is Pollock not teaching things the right way or getting them in the right position? I think it's a mixture of both. I think there's, there's blame to be had everywhere. That's why I'm not on Twitter screaming about one specific person, like I've said throughout the whole show. Josh Isles, a good friend of mine, uh, WDN Today on Twitter, Hootay Nation Today, posts a lot of really, really good content. What's up, Drew? Can we establish identity in the run game? I get with Joe, we throw well, but we can't abandon the run like we have done way too much. And that's kind of what I was saying earlier in the show um, about establishing an identity. And he followed up with, for the people say it's mixing, why was it only 11 carries as a team? Frustrating. Three of those carries were by Jake Browning that I don't think were designed runs. Um, and that's kind of what I hit on a little bit earlier in the show. Um, uh, if you're just tuning in, you might have missed it. I think that they should uh, maybe change it up, not run out of gun anymore, maybe give the ball to some more running backs and try to find if somebody gets a hot hand and then ride it out. Um, Mike Cannon had a phenomenal screen grab on Twitter today of me falling back on this couch and flipping the camera off on the previous show, so shout out to him for that. Uh, but he says, why do the Bengals hit home runs in the draft, home runs with defensive backs in the draft, but with on OL, OL and interior defensive line? And that is a very good question, man, because the Bengals have been very, very good over the years at drafting receivers. They've been very, very good at drafting cornerbacks um, pretty well at linebacker as of late, the Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pat, Pratt picks. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's a scouting department issue. I don't know if a Frank Pollock issue because he maybe has too much say in who they draft or maybe not enough say in who they draft. Um, those are internal conversations and things in the structure of their scouting and drafting process that I'm not privy to. So I don't know the answer to that, really. But it does seem to be the case. DJ Turner, dog. Cam Taylor Britt, dog. They drafted Leon Hall. They drafted Jonathan Joseph. Um, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick had some pretty solid years kind of toward the end of his time in Cincinnati. Um, they've, they've done really good with, with the draft and defensive backs. But yeah, interior DL, not great. Um, the external signings have worked out. DJ Reader, monster. Hope to God he can come back somehow. But I, I don't know why that is, to be completely honest with you. I think that that's just a, that's an area where they lack, and that's why when it comes to offensive linemen, they've gone out and spent money. I think that they've realized, for whatever reason, they don't do well drafting these guys, so they're going to go spend some money, and they're going to get established vets in the building. And it hasn't worked out for whatever reason or the other, but I think that they are at least self-aware that there's some sort of flaw in their offensive line drafting process to the veterans, but I think about tapped out on that. How, how, many, how much more can you spend on that? We've got Joe Burrow who just signed a massive contract. you got Jamar Chase who's going to come up for a contract. you got T. Higgins who you're probably going to try to get a deal done with. you got DJ Reader that you're going to probably try to bring back, even though it'll be his third contract uh, you know, post 30 years old also, which the Bengals typically stay away from, but I think that they're going to make an effort for Reader. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, 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 re I really don't know the answer to that question. I think that it's something that the Bengals recognize, and I think that they've tried to make not Bengal-like efforts because we haven't seen them sign a guy like DJ Reader to become the highest-paid nose tackle in the, in the NFL in the past. We haven't seen them go sign an Orlando Brown Jr. and give him the highest guarantees in a contract that they've ever given out. You just don't see that from them much. So I think that they're changing their ways to maybe – make up for some of the areas where they lack. But as of right now, the answer to that question, I, I really don't know. Um, skill positions are just, Benjamin Mumphrey has an answer to the question. Um, he says, skill positions are just much easier to scout. Stats speak for themselves. O-line play is a lot harder to scout with O-line experience and know how to. That's very true too. I mean, 
You can look at Jamar Chase and say, holy shit, he's really good. You can look at a cornerback and say, holy shit, nobody throws his way. Or when they do, he's locking guys down. That's very easy for even the most untrained eye to sit down and watch. That's why us uh, dumbasses on the internet like myself have all this talk during draft season about those kind of guys. You're not going to see me on Twitter talking too much about an offensive lineman until I see him go down to the senior bowl and kick ass because O-linemen that do good at the senior bowl tend to do well in the league. But it's not something that I think you can just say, this is why they're good here and not good there, unless you're somebody that's in the building. Josh Cantrell wants to fire Frank Pollock. We've, we've had the Frank Pollock conversation a little bit today. Um, I'm going to get a little sip of this old Game Fuel Mountain Dew here because I've just been talking for a half hour. But yeah, a lot of people want that. Is that the answer? I don't know. You, you better have a damn good offensive line coach that's ready to come in and replace him and have instant results starting at the very beginning of next season. But that can happen. We've seen it happen. Um, and Frav Films, another good comment. There's there's a lot of bad offensive lines around the league, and rookies are underperforming expectations. And I think that goes to the college game because you look at a lot of the big schools. Now, Michigan is a run-the-ball-down-your-throat, have-a-great-offensive-line school. But Ohio State, for example, and this isn't a dig at the Buckeyes, but they're they're more of a finesse team. That's why they got punched in the fucking mouth by Michigan. That's a dig. But they're more of a finesse team. They're going to get their receivers out in space. McCord's not asked to do a lot. He's throwing the ball to a spot. He's getting to a receiver. They're not. It's not dirty, nasty trenches in most of college football. You've got your Iowas. You've got your Michigans. You've got schools that are still like that. But overall, as a whole, the college game is all about spacing and agility and stuff. They don't teach that straight brute strength trench stuff in most college programs anymore. And I think that that translates to the NFL too, because as we've seen college offenses evolve like that, we've seen the quality of rookies that come into the NFL kind of start to decline. Ben just says Iowa, probably because I said the word Iowa, um, they're going to lose the big 10 championship by 300 points on Saturday. And Ben's going to have to watch that. Um, and Josh followed up to his comment, said they've been building a line for two years and it seems he's never mentioned to be on the hot seat. And that's that's very, very, very true. And that's something that we were kind of talking about earlier. I think that the heat on him has to kind of start to pick up. Um, I think players aren't executing, but I think maybe Frank's not putting them in a great position to execute. So that's something that you have to do. Um, and Yash says, we won't trade for Kayvon Thibodeau type player ever. Give them Higgins in a second form, a run stuffing pass rusher. We got a run stuffing pass rusher at home. His name's Sam Hubbard. He's one of the best run stuffing pass rushers in the league. So how much, I mean, how many more times are you going to put, you know, him off the field to put a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau? And I don't know about that. I'm definitely not giving up Higgins and a second to get him. I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> Ben's going to give you guys somebody to ride with, but I'm going to, I'm going to say this. All the Ohio State fans in the chat can join him in hating Michigan and being Iowa fans this week. I don't think they're going to do that because Iowa uniforms look dangerously close to Pittsburgh Steeler uniforms. Chase Brown's got back. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, you can give him the benefit of the doubt, but he also said if he wasn't fully healthy, he would have played. So you can't give him a carry here and there? Just try to mix things up a little bit? Michigan D-line is nice, but nothing versus true top 10 NFL D-line. Most college D-lines are not going to be great against a top 10 NFL D-line. Um, but I, I think I get 
So here's, I went on my little rant earlier. I'm not going to tell anybody how to be a fan, but how I'm approaching the rest of this season is pretty simple. I'm not going to be really stressed going into games like I have been. You know, you get the nerves. Bengals really need to win this game. This is a big game. I'm on edge. I'm pacing around the house, getting fidgety. I'm not really going to do that. I'm going to turn the TV on, or I'm going to head to Paycor Stadium, and I'm just going to watch the Bengals because I love watching the Bengals. It's my mental vacation. I don't worry about my job. I don't worry about my bills. Um, Some guy on Twitter went on like a full-on attack on me for a few hours telling people that I was super, super poor. Um, So I don't have to think about that when I'm watching the game. But the Drew Sample touchdown, um, we got the lights turned back on, so don't worry, weird fucking burner account guy. Um, But you just watch the Bengals because you love them, man. Like just you don't have to have much expectation And that'll probably make you less mad at a guy like a Zach Taylor or Frank Pollock when the game ends if it doesn't go our way because the fact of the matter is, man, there's there's no Joe Burrow. You shouldn't expect a ton. It's it's the way of the game. We've got a top three, and he's not three, NFL quarterback who makes this whole thing go. And he's not there right now. So the thing's probably not going to go as well as we want it to. So just temper your expectations, throw the game on because you like to watch it because it's your distraction from the shit that's going on outside the world and hope Logan Wilson gets a pick six and takes it back to the house. Hope Jake Browning throws a bomb to Jamar Chase and he makes the catch. Hope for cool shit to happen. Hope to see some growth from Andre Yoshivas, Charlie Jones, some of the young guys that I think are going to have bigger roles next year. And that's really all you can do. If you want to start making mock drafts, go ahead and start making mock drafts. I said a couple weeks ago I didn't want to start making mock drafts. I might start. That's that's my that's my view of the whole thing and the bickering and the fans and all like who gives a shit, man? Watch the Bengals and talk about them how you want to. Just don't be an asshole and say bad things about people. Fuck it. Where do you predict we will pick in the draft and what should we target in your opinion? Now, here is where I get into draft and offseason type mode because I want Brock Bowers in a Cincinnati Bengals uniform, the tight end from Georgia. Guy is a dog. D-A-W-G, dog. And we talked about tight ends all year. And Mitchell Wilcox and Drew Sample and... Tanner Hudson and Irv Smith and all that stuff. And you know what? Tanner Hudson's made some good plays. We're a big Tanner Hudson show. But Brock Bowers would make great plays. That is my number one look because I don't think, okay, you want to replace Cordell Volson. Is there going to be a guard that's worth a pick? I mean, you're going to be somewhere between what? Depending on how the season goes, 15 and 7, 8 maybe? I mean, you could you could fall anywhere in that range with how the – the rest of the season goes. Now, the Bengals do play a lot of backup quarterbacks themselves. They got a date with uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's the starter on Monday, and then you're going to see um, Gardner Minshew back up for the Colts. You're going to see um, Josh Dobbs uh, back up for the Vikings, who got like Amazon primed to them in the middle of the season. So, you know, you did about 15 right now if the season ended today. Um, but I think you're going to be in range for maybe a Brock Bowers if you get somewhere you know inside that top 10, which could happen. And that would be where I am because I don't know if there's going to be a guard worth taking at that point. Now, there may be a right tackle worth taking at that point. If you're not going to pay Jonah and you're going to go get a cheap rookie, then maybe you look at right tackle. But that's probably where my current time is Brock Bowers or 
whoever the best right tackle is, if they're worth drafting at that point in the draft. Kevin said, thank you, Drew, friend, friend of the program. Um, you're all friends of the program to me. You're all my friends. Except for uh, talking shit about Michigan. Ooh, I like this, though, from Kevin. Brock Bowers, first round. Audric Esme, running back from Notre Dame in the second round. That would be good, but I'm also probably getting pretty close to starting the Blake Corum to Cincinnati train. Um, I'm probably going to start pushing some propaganda out there about that, and maybe that's me being a little bit of a homer, but it is what it is. Ben Mumphrey, good, good point in the chat. Shouldn't we expect our coach to be better than 4-28 and without his elite franchise quarterback? Zach needs to prove he's a winner and not carried by Burrow. And that's something that you can look at this season as things go with no Joe Burrow. And that's something that you opinion, because like I said, there's, there's dates with backup quarterbacks coming. You got Cleveland who's going to have uh, Dorian Thompson or PJ Walker, maybe Joe Flacco playing quarterback for him to close this season, but you got Josh Dobbs and you got Gardner Minshew. So you're going to have backup versus backup. And we can go back and forth about how the Bengals handled their backup quarterback situation. Like we did at the beginning of the season when we're, Wondering if Burrow should have even been playing. But the fact of the matter is, that's the guy he picked. That's the guy they picked. Backup versus backup. Let's go play some fucking football. And if you want to try to form Zach, Zach Taylor opinions around that, then I completely understand why you would. Because if, if you think that Burrow masks the deficiencies of Zach Taylor, like I think he does, you can definitely say, okay, you don't have him. The other guy doesn't have, they don't have their Anthony Richard or Deshaun Watson. What can you do against them? And that's completely valid. So you can use the rest of the season to kind of form that opinion. But I think that you should really, really, really temper your expectations if you think that that's what the front office is doing because Zach Taylor is not going anywhere. If Zach Taylor stops being the play caller of the Bengals, it's going to be because Zach Taylor makes the decision to hand it over. The organization is not getting rid of Zach Taylor. He's loved in the locker room. He took the team to a Super Bowl two years ago. Marvin Lewis got 16 years without winning a playoff game. Now, I know the organization has changed and things have moved along, but if you are a person who thinks there is any chance that Zach Taylor is not the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals when the 2024 season kicks off, you have got to come back down to earth because he's going to be there whether you like it or not. Maybe it would be better for the team if I pass off the keys to somebody else and let them run the offense, and so be it. Good on him because at some point as a coach, maybe you have to look in the mirror and say, hey, where am I fucking up? What have I done wrong? And maybe he does that. But if you think that that's going to come from up top, you're wrong. It's not going to happen. It's just not how they operate. He's, I mean, he got a four-year extension the year after the Super Bowl. Mike Brown is not going to eat a coach contract. I don't think he's ever done it. Uh, back to some more comments here before we wrap up. We've got to the 43-minute mark pretty damn quick. I have talked a lot. But I appreciate you guys being in the chat to help keep things going. Um, Eric all to the Bengals. Ben. You and your Hawkeye, man, transferred to Iowa with Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara got hurt, obviously. Eric All, I don't know what he's done. I don't know what he's done at Iowa. I haven't heard much of him. He's pretty solid at Michigan, though. Um, I also will put my Buckeye hater hat down and say that I would really like a Cade Stover to wind up in Cincinnati. I think that he could be damn good. 
good. I think he's going to carve out a solid NFL career for him. I don't he doesn't have the athleticism. He's Farmer Gronk. I think that's what they call him. But I do think that he would he would carve out a good NFL career as a blocker and as a pass catcher. Uh, but Eric All was a Michigan man first. I will say that. <laughs> he said he didn't do shit at Iowa because he got injured, sadly. Well, it is what it is. Over fourth round says yes. Yeah, that could be the case. Kevin said, then give Zach some pom-poms and let him cheer. He should never call another offensive play ever again. I understand that mode of thinking, man. I just think that I try to operate from the lens of how I think that the Bengals will continue. I just don't think the call comes from downstairs where somebody looks at him, whether it's Mike Brown or Katie Blackburn or or whoever, and says, hey, man, you got to give up play calling. I don't, I don't think that Mike Brown's a, an owner that gets involved in the day-to-day like that anymore, at least. Um, I just, I really don't think that that's going to happen. I think if that ever happens, it'll be a Zach Taylor decision, and then we can applaud him for being self-aware enough to do it. Um, I'll see. See, Mark, you know I hate when people do this, but you, Joe Burrow was a Buckeye first. They didn't appreciate him. He's an LSU Tiger. He even said himself, I went to school at Ohio State. I played school. Uh, I went to, so I played, I went to, Kevin says Spectrum is chopping up my stream, get together Spectrum. I had that same issue. I was on off the bench with Tom Brenneman today, had a great conversation about Michigan. I watched it back. It was choppy. My internet stinks. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's just, it's all I can get at my house. I'm at the mercy of Spectrum. Spectrum has me by my nutsack, and it's all I can do. But we have crossed the 45 minutes much better than I thought it would. I'm sorry you only got to look at my big dumb face for this episode. If you're listening on the podcast platforms, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. And don't leave your review based on the fact that you only heard my dumbass voice for this whole episode. Ron said he'll be back for our next show. We don't know if that's going to be Thursday. Thursday, or we don't know if we're going to try to do a football preview. So uh, keep posted to our Twitter account for updates on when that will be. Frav, start a GoFundMe for Drew's internet. I pay good money for my internet. I have 300 megabits per second through Spectrum. It's just how good are the 300 megabits if they're 300% shit? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I love you too. You are a good man. Um, Ben calls me Goat Drew. Yes, I have enough money for better internet. Thank you to Drew Sample, but I I have the best internet that I can possibly get in my house because Spectrum stinks. Yash gets a gigabyte. Well, flex on me, Yash. Flex your one gigabyte on me. I could probably get it too, and then Spectrum stinks. It's your upload speed that causes choppy video. I don't know how to fix it, man. I got... I got like a, a fucking node thing that plugs into my router and then I put them in different spots in my house. It's supposed to make the, the, the signal better and it's all shit. I've invested all this money in shit. <sighs> well, we're past 45 minutes. I'm getting ready to go off the rails. I'm cussing too much. I appreciate you guys for tuning in and carrying this show through to the finish line with just my dumbass yelling into the microphone. I appreciate everybody that tuned in, everybody that listens, everybody that watches back on our YouTube channel, everybody that's watching on Facebook, Twitter, everything. Thank you all so much. We'll be back with hopefully a much better show at some point.